is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the hot seat, I have my friend, Mr. Michael Sasser. He is a boudoir photographer based in Southern California. And yesterday even, just, you know, inside baseball, I had this epiphany of, you know what, watching all these videos and sort of getting my brain around the enormity of AI and all the changes that are happening in our industry, and I was thinking like, man, boudoir has got to be one of the most affected industries or genres uh, by AI at the very least. And who do I know that is crushing it in that genre that I can ask a bunch of questions to was this guy, Michael Sasser. Man, I want to, first of all, before we dive into this whole AI discussion and all that, I just want to catch up with you. You and I haven't talked in, in quite some time. What have you been up to? Like, what, what's, what has been keeping your brain occupied and nourished in the past six months or so? Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Past six months have been, uh, have been awesome. I've been doing a little bit of traveling. Uh, I was down in Bali with uh, another photographer, actually. Uh, Irene Rudnick, she's another YouTube photographer. Uh, I think it's really nourishing to meet up with other, you know, other creatives that you're inspired by that you uh, that you feel that you can, you know, have some bigger life conversations with outside of just your typical like how do we create pictures. Uh, so that was a really enjoyable uh, experience. I've been uh, working on a little new product for. Uh, some photographers who are unsure of where to start their business, like before you even know posing uh, type stuff, like how do you brand yourself? How do you set up your social media profiles? Giving you like a basic understanding of how taxes work for, um, you know, for people who are running their own businesses, things like that. And uh, hobby wise, I've been, I've been playing a little music. So I've been trying to, trying to touch on, on all the areas of my life for sure. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to keep it all mixed up, you know. And I was, you know, the the I was looking at your website yesterday, and I noticed you you've got a lot. Like you were doing events and some things like that. Can you? How's that? What's that world like? You know, especially post pandemic, that whole world of because it, it shut down, right? It was gone. The whole world of in-person photography workshops and all that prior to the pandemic everybody and their their uncle was doing a workshop and so we had we were beginning to see the shakeout of only the strong survive and then pandemic and now you pop back doing this cool stuff so talk about that a little bit to the extent you can yeah absolutely so uh you know a lot of people have have gotten to know me through my YouTube videos. And honestly, that has been the way that I've really preferred to get my information across. I've done a handful of in-person workshops. I've done uh, like the very first time I, I ever taught anything. I think I was teaching videography, how to shoot video for boudoir photographers. This was like 2015, I think. And uh, it was fun. It was great to be able to talk to people and, and hear their questions immediately. But with the internet, I mean, it's really amazing that you can receive so much from so many. I can make a post, what do you guys wanna learn about? And then I can make a video that thousands of people can see and learn from, uh, which has really been amazing. It's one of the reasons why I love doing the online courses. If somebody you know has a, you know, goes through the course and says, hey, I just didn't really understand this part. I can make another video and add that into the course so that everybody who already has the course can view it. So I feel like that's been one of the real benefits of 
doing things online versus in person. Um, I definitely, you know, I used to go to WPPI and, and all those things. I guess they shut down for a little bit, but uh, we'll see. It's always nice to get out in person and, and teach stuff. There's nothing like a light bulb moment that you like see somebody, ha you know, they've been doing one thing the same way. They're like, I watched the video and I'm still not getting it. And they're just go up to take that picture and you just shuffle them to the right a little bit and their brain mm. explodes. They go, oh my God, I, I finally see it. Like that's, ve that's very cool to do in person. So we'll see if, uh, you know, we'll see if some more in person stuff comes up. But um, it's just really amazing how many people can can consume content online for not very much money from anywhere in the world at any time of day. I mean, it's just really made it so accessible. And that's one of the things that I really love about doing things online. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if that changes in the future if I start to do more in-person in things. But I mean, for the time being, um, it's just really been amazing to to connect with so many people this way. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the pandemic and zoom and, you know, or infrastructure that allows that kind of stuff to happen, it was accelerated. Right. So why not? Yeah. I was talking about this before and we'll talk about AI in a second, folks. I, I know you're waiting on that. Uh, but I remember before the pandemic even started, I was questioning on the show, the, the, you know, I don't know the, the idea of going to, large form trade shows, you know, because a lot of people go there for, for the classes and to see the new gear and they hear the speakers. Nothing against those shows. Those shows are, are, are great. And but it turns out the people I spoke to, most of them go there for the just to connect with other photographers that they haven't seen. It's kind of like a reunion every, you know, whatever interval versus going there specifically for the training or to see the new camera or whatever, which you can do from your phone on the toilet if you want to. Right. You don't have to get on a plane and risk disease or whatever <laughs> to, to see this new stuff, which makes these virtual classrooms even more important. Because like you said, you can reach all corners of the globe and people can watch on their own time. There's all different business models in there, whether it's a hybrid live or a live live or pre-recorded that you just roll or just pre-recorded that they can buy and get instant access. All these different things make it easier and the tools are easier now, right? Like with Apple yesterday announcing their, their new headset, that's going to be a whole nother way for people to consume your content, right? Just go sit in Sasser's classroom and there you are up there teaching with a model and doing the whole nine yards and I can do it from the comfort of my headset sitting in the park or on a plane or whatever. So yeah, it's How changing. How wild. Yeah, it is changing. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's even going to be like, I just saw that uh, there's some software now that like a drone, I'm, I can't remember what I saw that this could happen, but it was like a drone could fly around a scene and then it would take that 2D data from the video and create a 3D uh, map of it and then be able to, you know, and then you can move around in that space. You could use it for gaming or you could use it for planning your oh, you know, yeah. furniture inside your space or whatever it is. But I'll bet there will be a, a time when you could set up like three or four cameras in your space and just have them film and it'll create a map 
of the whole scene so that when you're learning from somebody like me, you put the headset on and then like walk around in that space because it's been turned from a 2D space into a 3D space. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, a friend of mine used that that technique that you're talking about with a drone flying around and mapping an area. It's called photogrammetry. And yeah. what what he was doing, I mean, you could farmers use it, all kinds of different industries use it. He was using it because he was having the pool in his backyard filled in, you know, the hole, right? So he needed to figure out the exact amount of dirt he needed in order to fill that space. So enter photogrammetry, fly the drone, look at that space, and this is how much dirt you need, order it, boom, you're done, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, crazy, man. So math. So that brings us to today where we are right now, right? With all this AI stuff. I reached out to you a couple of days ago uh, asking for your thoughts on this stuff. And I was I was actually surprised. I thought your response was going to be, oh, my God, I could do so much more stuff now with with this AI and this Photoshop's generative fill. This is amazing. It's just, you know, I could do the things that I have always wanted to do in boudoir. I almost got the exact opposite response than I thought. You know, I was like, no, Sasser is one of the most tech savvy people I know the highly competent photographer and educator, and he's not all in on generative fill. I must dive deeper. So let's let's dive deeper on that. So the here and here's my novice. I'm not a boudoir photographer, though I wish I was. Right. Um, my outside view looking in was just what I asked you. I was like, okay, if you could take a photo of a woman and give her or a subject even, right, and give them a uh, choice of negligee to be wearing or, you know, not, not so much body shaping or any of that stuff, but changing the background, changing the objects in the room. Say you're shooting in a hotel room and that nightstand looks horrible, circle it, get get rid of it. You know, having that level of control of every pixel. I thought that was a holy grail for anybody doing this kind of work. Why isn't it, Michael Sasser? <laughs> Why? So, Why? Uh, that's, uh, that's a great question. There is actually a few things that you just mentioned that I do think will end up making a, a pretty massive difference. Mm -hmm. um, but initially, I think people are... Um, they're wondering, you're still talking about the experience of taking a picture of somebody and then turning that into some place that they're not or turning that into uh, some outfit that they don't own. Or, you know, I, I'd be curious to see, like, you know, if somebody's really into, you know, whatever fancy $10 million necklace and they want a shot of themselves wearing it or something, then they can, you know, do that. Or they're like, I would love, you know, let's go take a picture on the beach in LA, but I'd really love to be in Tahiti. So let's mm. photo, you know, like let's generative fill Tahiti in there. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is that <clears throat> I think there are some, there are plenty of photography industries where that makes total sense, you know? Uh, and, and I think in order to be really specific about this, we have to think of like, who is the client? Don't, not looking at it from the photographer's point of view, like how cool would it be to have images where it looked like I shot in Tahiti? Like, absolutely. That's, ve that's very cool to do some, you know, you wanna do it, uh, some photography with some fancy lingerie company that costs $1,000 for a bra, um, but you just can't afford to go buy that bra. From a photographer's perspective, like awesome. But from the client's perspective, from, from the perspective of somebody who, why does somebody spend 
money on boudoir photography. Uh, they are, you know, looking for a self-confidence boost. Maybe they're trying to let go of the, the previous ideas of themselves. They're being very vulnerable going through this experience to get these pictures to show who they are. Not everybody. Some people want angel wings and some people want, you know, whatever it is. But a majority of the clients who are coming in are doing this because the experience of them doing it uh, is really the moving. That's really where the bulk of the worth of the experiences and then and then you get pictures of of yourselves that reinforce that so it wouldn't make sense to come in to do a picture you know on somebody's couch and then have it look like you were on a beach in tahiti mm. it just th those two things don't line up for the reason why you know boudoir specifically as a genre exists for uh the client's experience now i think what you're talking about um, to be able to do it creatively, you know, for art purposes, I think it's going to be awesome for just as big as your imagination is. I think it's limitless, but because boudoir is so much about the experience of being vulnerable, doing something you never thought you could do, you, you know, you're scared, uh, to make it happen, but you're like, I, ha you know, like I want to make this transformation in the way that I view myself all those things take place during the photo shoot mm -hmm. that's where the transformation takes place and then um and then you see the you know and then you see the pictures afterwards and they're a reminder of what you know of of you making that happen so that's why i think boudoir is such an interesting photographic genre compared to all of the other purposes of photography that are out there which i think a lot of those will make massive use of all of the yeah. software. Yeah, it's interesting because the, you know, you look at it from the, the perspective of the public, right? So photographers aren't operating in a bubble, right? So, and, and the public's perception of photography and the ease to get a good shot has been forever changed by the iPhone and computational photography. It used to be you had to have a certain level of skill in order to get a decent photo exposed correctly. Now, you know, you could the phone is doing all sorts of magic at the point of capture. So now the I think the the level of expectation for excellence is probably higher and the skill requirement to get there is lower. Right. So now, notwithstanding posing or the interaction and all that stuff that goes into the, the, the just the technical side of it. So I wonder in the future, as people become more comfortable with these kinds of technologies, are you like folks like you that are doing the work? Are you going to start getting questions from informed clients that are like hey this is great but you know what instead of that desk i would really love an old victorian desk over there could you change that and could you make this and by the way i don't like this negligee i have on can you make it pink you know that kind of stuff do you do you foresee that happening you know in the near future a hundred percent and honestly we see that now with like can you photoshop me can mm -hmm. you skin smooth me can you take out my acne can you you know for a boudoir it's a lot of stretch marks and it's a lot of cellulite is is the number one things that people ask to remove um and there's you know there's currently software to do that pretty well um but it's obviously getting even better day after day so the idea that they're gonna sit and actually this is, this is one of the notes that i took that i think these things will 
be used in photography. So I, I have no doubt that somebody will come in and and instead of bringing in hair extensions, they'll say, can I just, it'd be great if my hair was longer in the photos mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you'll just, you'll just be able to do that. Just make the hair longer. And, uh, you know, with the informed of knowing what is possible within this photography uh, space and with what uh, the capabilities are, I have no doubt that people are, are going to ask for that. As a photographer, you are going to have the ability to choose who your target clients are. Just like if you only want to shoot film, you can present that as that's as that's what you provide. And if you brand yourself correctly and you market yourself correctly, you'll have clients who are coming to you not asking for, you know, hey, can you shoot this on a Z8? Or can you shoot this on a, you know, whatever. They just want what you provide, which is, which is film photography. So for me, for instance, um, part of my brand is that I don't Photoshop that much, even by today's standards. So somebody comes to me and says, you know, I got my stretch marks. Can you Photoshop those out? I'll have a conversation with them about, um, okay, I can understand why you might want to remove those, but those are a representation of, you know, maybe you having your, having your kids. That's a part of your life you know every time you look in the mirror they're there now um so to take them out in this picture you know to me is kind of saying like the goal is for you to see this picture and say i look beautiful kind of regardless of i don't have to love them but they're a part of me it's not something to be ashamed of and ideally they'll they'll take you know they'll think about it and they'll say okay let's you know let's not photoshop them and and i'll see and most of the time after they just get get used to seeing them if they can see the picture as a whole as it's a beautiful picture and not zoom in on just a couple of pixels um that's i think that's a really beautiful thing so that's a conversation that i have with them even on the phone when they're like how much do you photoshop that's the conversation that i have with them so some people won't book me because they want to go to the person who's gonna you know skin smooth and remove pores and all of that stuff um and but if they hire me, they know that they're going to, you know, they're going to see some imperfections and that that's not that's what skin looks like. That's what humans look like. So yeah. um, as a as a creative, as a photographer, you have the ability to put your brand forward in that way. So as as clients are asking, you know, I want to I want my photos of me to look like I'm in Tahiti. I've always wanted to go, but I could never afford it. You have the ability to say that's just not the kind of work that I do or, um, ab you know, absolutely. That's, that's something that we can do. If that's what you want, I'm here to make my clients happy and make their dreams come true. And so, uh, that's what I'm going to provide for you. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause I, I was watching which, which one of your courses, I think it was the, your, your boudoir accelerator course 2.0. And one of the comments you made in there, and I encourage people, if you're interested in this genre, Go check out that course. I'll leave a link to it in the in the show notes for this and in the YouTube description. But the one of the things you said was that about not. I think it, you the way you phrased it was you don't remove anything that's permanent. The phrase is. The I'll, I'll just tell you the phrase. If yeah. it's permanent, leave it in. If it's temporary, take it out. So that means yeah. uh, you wake up with a pimple. I'm not going to be like, well, that's that's what your face looks like because that's it's not really. That's just like that day, you may not have that pimple for the other 364 days of the year, but something that's like a part of you, those are the sort of things that I, you know, we, we live with it all the time, every day, they're a part of us, mm -hmm. um, you know, accepting that that doesn't define, you know, our worth or our value or what makes us us. 
uh, or that we're different and that's a bad thing. All that stuff, if we could just, if we could just wipe that away, um, the idea of that, that, um, you know, you have, you have cellulite on, on the back of your legs and, um, it's something to be, to feel shame around. It's just, if we could just get rid of that mentality. And I think one way to do it is just to like, it should just be a non conversation. You yeah. know, it's just like you have fingernails. Okay. It's just like a thing that you have. It's not something to think positively or negatively about. So that's, yeah. um, that's the, that's the phrasing that I use with clients. That's what yeah. I was thinking about that, but, and I was thinking you, you look at, I mean, there's a whole contingent, a whole segment of the population that rails against that, right? That's like you, the Instagram model generation, the, you know, the, the, the folks that would rather have, you know, not just the idealistic version of them presented when they're online, but a hyper-realistic version of themselves or, or a hyper-realistic and an uber-perfect version of them whenever they appear online, whether it be in a photo. And now, this is the other question I would throw you, now, like based on yesterday's announcement with Apple, I thought this might have been coming, not this fast, but the idea that you can now scan yourself and have the digital version of you show up in meetings you know in a zoom call or something which is basically anywhere else online you can have this you know a, a perfect version of you show up what is like is that a market segment you know not taking all the morality out of it and the you know the self-worth and the you know the empowerment piece of that out of it is it is that a market segment creating perfect renditions of people to represent themselves like the perfect avatar, the Michael Sasser avatar package where, you know, I'm going to I'm going to photograph like a you get jawline. And like yeah, that. yeah, I'd have all the things I'm like, basically, <laughs> hey, when I look in the mirror, I see the rock. Everybody else sees, you know, Steve Urkel, but I see the rock. So put me as, as the rock whenever I show up in meetings or different versions of you for different situations. Right. Is that do you see put it on your futurist hat? Do you see? things moving yeah, that way absolutely i mean that's something that like uh um i absolutely imagine that to be there's like an old sci-fi movie with bruce willis called surrogate mm -hmm. um it's it's pretty cheesy I, I don't know if i'd recommend watching it. i just remember that um basically what you would do is you had like a surrogate version of yourself and then you'd lay in this chair and then you would control the surrogate so you'd stay home but your surrogate would go out and all, all the surrogates were, you know, in shape and perfect skin and they were strong and they were, you know, their eyes were a bright color. You know, whatever it was, it was all this idealized version of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then nobody went outside anymore because to do so meant that you were like not only vulnerable to like disease and and being, you know, if your surrogate dies, somebody you know, shoots them, you're still fine. So there's like a safety aspect, but also this, like, I don't want to, I'm, I'm afraid of showing people my, my real self. Um, or maybe it's just, it's just exciting to be able to be something that you always imagined that you would be, whatever it is. I a hundred percent, that's for sure going to be, there's AI versions of people. There's, I saw a woman who's doing like, there's a, there's like a, um, a filter that makes you look significantly younger like this woman that's in her late 30s um is using an uh, an instagram profile of herself but that makes her look like 17 or 18 and they're like really provocative pictures mm. so 
she's basically selling the likeness of an AI version of her, a younger version of her, in order to capitalize on you know this income uh, generating uh, system of people who are attracted to you know 17 18 year olds and there's obviously there's some legality in that of like how how old you look or how young you look and for what type of pay because you actually are older so i i have no doubt that this is going to be a time when we you know it's going to be difficult to know what people actually look like unless yeah. you've met them in person yeah yeah i mean that that may be a whole nother industry like you know if you have this badge, it's really you, right? Or something, you know, to authenticate. Yeah, it reminds me. You remember this show? This I think it was MTV. You remember the show called um, uh, Catfish? Remember Catfish? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. The whole if you have, folks that haven't heard of Catfish, the whole premise of the show was these people uh, would form relationships, long distance relationships, with other people, never having met them in person or seen them even in a lot of cases. So, and they were like full on in love, head over heels with this, in some cases, fictional person. Sometimes it was a real person, but you never find out until the end of the show for the, that was the whole premise of the show. And so I think about that and I think about, okay, uh, and then I let you know the movie Her, you know, with Joaquin Phoenix and, and Scarlett Johansson. There's so, been so many really incredible like ideas around what AI could become. Yeah. And I, I think I think we're starting to I think we're starting to see some of that. But even in in the photography space, let's let's talk about um, in the photography space. Uh, I was listening to somebody else. I wish I should just write down all of these things that I hear so I can reference the people that I heard them from. But essentially the idea that like you can go into chat GPT and I recommend it and write a newsletter uh, to your uh, to your client base. You could draft your website based on like I'm bad at about me pages and but I want to do boudoir because I've heard it's empowering and then you just have chat GPT write something for you. And you'll be able to, it used to be just like you'd apply a filter to a photo and that would make you seem like a better photographer. But now as a better business person, you can use AI to draft a professional website with uh, MidJourney. You can use AI to write compelling sales copy for, uh, for clients, uh, for sales script responses um, mm -hmm. on the phone. You know, there's so many more tools now to kind of like fake it until you make it to show that you are a professional when you are not yet and it, it used to be much harder and now in all of those other areas it's becoming much much easier somebody sends you an email and you're not sure how to respond to that client you put that response into chat gpt you say respond in this way be empathetic or be salesy or uh, show scarcity or whatever it is, and it will it will write that for you. So the person on the other end thinks they're you know speaking with a high level expert uh, when really they're just somebody typing some prompts into the into AI. So I think that's going to be another interesting aspect of it as it pertains to people running their businesses. Is that all of a sudden there will be perceived you know many more professionals, and as a client hires somebody, they won't be sure. If they're hiring somebody who's really been doing this for 10 years and is a professional or somebody that just like got some scripts but also you can just go purchase email scripts from another photographer as well right. like that that already existed you could hire one-on-one -on -one mentoring for them to come in and redo your website but i think that'll be another interesting 
use case for AI is, as we kind of continue to grow and to use other people's services and we're trying to make decisions on who is going to be best you know, for us to hire based on how they present themselves. And it'll be much easier to pre present yourself in whatever way you feel like without having any authenticity behind it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect because you're absolutely right. Because people are doing that now, right? I mean, they've been doing it for a while. You could you could build a portfolio overnight just pulling images down from these micro stock agencies and saying that you're yours. You know, you're golden until somebody finds out. Um, and now with ChatGPT, you can generate all the copy for your website, your about page, your sales page, all the different widgets. You could do all this and have it all written professionally in an evening and then you just sort of assemble it on Squarespace or something and you're onto the races. So that brings up a bunch of questions like how, how like for weddings even, right? I know you in the beginning of your career, you're shooting weddings in the, in that genre, someone decides, Hey, I'm going to be a wedding photographer. Let me go download or use mid journey to create a bunch of wedding images for my portfolio. I'm going to build this website that's upscale and has upscale copy and all the things you might even generate a version of you that with a fancy English accent that, you know, you could do all these things. So how do, how do potential brides who hire photographers, frankly, just because they want to make sure they get images, right? They don't want to hire somebody that's going to mess up there one day, which is like boudoirs, right? But how how do you safeguard against that? Like, what <laughs> what do you do? Uh, Can you show me the negatives or the raw files from your images before we proceed or what? Like, well, that, how do you get around that? Yeah, that's what's so tricky about AI is like so much can be generated now, right? So mm -hmm. you say like, well, read the reviews, but that can be falsified. You could yeah. say, watch, uh, you know, I recommend people record video testimonials of their clients. Nothing, nothing is as powerful as, as listening to the tone of someone's voice when they speak emotionally about their experience with you. So I, I recommend this for people with, um, who run their photography businesses, like get your client flipping through their album, record a video of them, even if it's on an iPhone, and ask them emotional questions and um, show that on your website. So when somebody's flipping through, there's no like, oh, they probably just, you know, a friend wrote something on Yelp or, y you know, one thing or another. This is like, there's no denying that this person had an incredible emotional experience. And uh, so I think that is like a very massive way that in general today you can put up on your website um, to strengthen the validity of your business to, you know, people buy based on emotion, right? And if they are feeling something, watching a video of somebody else feeling something, that's going to increase your chance of booking a client. But I was yeah. just thinking like with this generative, it's crazy to think of like what might be possible. And again, why some industries will survive and why others won't. If you think about like headshots are one of the ones that I think are going to are going to disappear. There's going to be no more need for headshot photographers because you'll be able to just send in pictures that you already have and AI will generate you in a blue suit, you in a black suit, you with yeah. your with glasses, you without glasses or whatever it is, smiling, serious. And then this is like already a, a technology that I've, I've seen a couple examples of. And for a company of 400 people to be able to just like go through and do that, they're not gonna spend 50 or $100 per person for headshots for this. Nobody cares about the experience of a headshot. So those will just be able to be generated. 
And it kind of makes me, weddings might be interesting to like get pictures of, you could probably just show up to the wedding and snap a couple of pictures of like the venue and um, the plates, you know, and uh, the dress, the bride and the dress or whatever, and the groom and the groomsmen, and then have AI take that and put it into a whole bunch of generated scenes where people are laughing and hanging out and kissing and walking down the aisle. Again, you know, it's kind of moments like I remember that moment when we stepped away for a little bit and that makes this more more special that it was captured, whereas a generated photo of that isn't going to hold as much. But again, like if you just crowdsource iPhone photos from your guests and then you put that into some software and say, make me the most beautiful, you know, dramatic wedding photos you can into something like a future version of mid journey. Yeah. I'm sure people are going to, you know, go that route. Um, cause they couldn't, yeah. you know, spend several thousand dollars on a photographer. So, so that'll be interesting too. the difference between, you know, what industries are going to, and we'll see people that are going to pay for or not pay for. We're going to see that start shaking out. And I think in the, as these new consumption tools start showing up and, you know, yeah, I hate to say it, but gentrification continues to kind of weed out the people that are technology resistant and the people that have grown up talking to AI since they were like my daughter, right? She's been talking to Alexa since she could make a word, right? So like all these things are are kind of coming to a confluence of this question. Is photography as we know it dead? Is it going away? What do you think? Oh, man. <laughs> um, that's a good... One thing that I've learned uh, over the last couple of months is that I have no idea what's coming next. Yeah. Every time... I thought when ChatGPT came out and I was, you know, pretty early on, I was like, this is incredible. I got to tell everybody. And everybody that I told, their jaw hit the floor and they couldn't believe it. And I'm like, cool, I'm ahead of the curve. <laughs> and then I would see this next tool that came out and I was like, oh, man, I had no idea that was possible and then mid journey became mid journey four and it's like this is insane what it can create and i used it uh to yeah. generate uh like children's i wrote children's books on chat gpt for my nieces and like it came up with themes and then it wrote it wrote the story and it was great and then i went to mid journey and i used that to generate um covers of like it was just the back of their heads so it didn't have to generate faces mm -hmm. but it was incredible they were in the mountains in the alps and then they were swimming underwater and then you know whatever it was incredible art things and i was like cool i'm ahead of the game and now i just like it is insane what's been coming out and uh and everything's been happening so quickly so i don't presume to know what is or isn't you know going to exist but i think I was talking to my friend. I don't know if you know Pratik. Um, oh, Naik? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shot by Pratik. Um, he's a retoucher and also he's been really into AI. I think his account is futurist.ai. Um, but I messaged him before our chat because I was like, you're in this. I just want to make sure I'm dotting my eyes, cross my T's. And we kind of came up with this concept that is essentially if if what's important about those photographs is the experience that you have getting them taken, then photography in that space shouldn't die out. If 
the end picture is the purpose, then yes, I think I think photography will cease to exist. And I'll give a couple examples. Some some I heard from uh, from some people uh, again from listening to different people discuss. But a good example is like a roller coaster ride. You know how you get your picture at the end of the roller coaster ride that said you mm-hmm. went on the devil, you know, whatever it is. Um, and your face is like, ah, okay. So what is most important about that? About that? Is it getting the photo or is it being on the roller coaster? It wouldn't make sense to have the photo without being on the roller coaster. So you would just be like, haha, I was on this roller coaster and just everybody would think you were cool or something. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. The photograph is not the point. You have to have the experience. And I think that's, again, coming back to boudoir photography, why, to get a bunch of pictures of yourself in lingerie and nude that you didn't experience, that it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think I would, I can't imagine wanting that. I can't imagine wanting that. So, and I can't imagine a lot of the clients that are spending several thousand dollars want to just upload pictures of themselves that get sent to them naked. Like, yeah. I, just, I just don't see it happening. But for things like headshots, even baby photos, mm-hmm. um, if you're thinking like, it's tough, nap time is tricky, I just wanna spend time with them, but if I could snap a couple iPhone pictures and get them in like cute scenes and laying in the whatever, like how adorable, that would, um, that would absolutely be great. Anything e-commerce or swimwear, if you're a brand and you're like, I would love, let's just stick with Tahiti, I really wanna go to Tahiti. If you want pictures of your swimwear in Tahiti, but it would cost too much money to ship it to somebody there or to fly out there for a photo shoot, you just have on the cover of your website, of your lookbook, that bikini just typed in as like, uh, you know, a mixed race model that's 5'7", that has curly hair, that whatever, and now you've got that product that you can sell, you know, that can represent your brand. That's another one that's just gonna be like, there's no reason to have a photographer. Anything commercial, my friend said, um, he works in the commercial space, he works for Vizio, and they set up these these uh, product shoots. And he's like, I mean, for me to Photoshop in a, a you know generative AI, a Sonos soundbar or a Coca-Cola can or anything like that is so easy now. So product placement after the fact, you're not gonna need to set that up beforehand. That's another one. And then another one that I think will be really interesting, this I saw in somebody else's YouTube video, but the idea that like a celebrity can sell their likeness for, I was just in Chase Bank the other day and like Kevin Hart's in there for no reason. Like his picture's up there, like I bank with Chase. Like he probably doesn't even bank with Chase, but he got paid to take a picture in a Chase Bank or wherever. But now a company like Chase is just gonna be able to say like, Hey, Kevin Hart, we would like to set up this uh, promo with you in the Chase Bank smiling and doing this. And he can just say, okay. And then some creative director will generate this image and then gets the sign up for, and then Kevin Hart gets paid. They don't pay a photographer. And then Chase Bank has this content that says, you know, Kevin Hart is here. So they won't even really need to do photo shoots either. Yeah. So voice and everything, really right? Interesting in those ways because Kevin Hart doesn't need to show up. He can make so much more money just using his likeness. It's not about the experience. Yeah. So I think that'll be the big divide with what was remain, you know, photography and hired for photographers and what won't. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, when I asked that question, is photography dead? I was, you know, purposely being, you know, flipping or whatever. But I think 
you know, it's the, the law of conservation of energy, right? As applied to business, nothing ever dies. It just changes form, right? So yeah. what you're describing is, is a possible next form of what photography might look like. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's the, and I'm curious what you think, like what, what are the businesses that are going to be born from this, you know, the, the, this, this Phoenix or what was it on Star Trek? Um, uh, what was that? Remember Star Trek when they had that bomb that remade a planet or something? You dropped the bomb on the planet and it just kind of destroyed say everything. I can't much Star Trek. Oh, you're Trek. not a nerd. Yeah, sorry. I forgot how. I forgot you're the cool LA dude. I'm the nerd up here in Silicon Valley. <laughs> but they had, it was this whole idea of life from lifelessness, right? So where you remake something based on the atoms that were already there, which is kind of the law of conservation of energy. In business, what does that look like after this remaking kind of settles down? I feel like we're in the remaking process where the, the people that are in industries, whether it's photography or not, but the people that are in industries that are gonna be directly affected are crying foul and you know there's laws that need to be written and all the things right that happens when a new kind of sea change technology shows up especially when it's fast moving as this ai stuff but in those kinds of shakeups there's always gazillionaires that pop out that have figured something out like oh i'm gonna do this right now i'm gonna register that domain and i'm gonna start selling this little niche you know like the California gold rush. I'm going to start selling Le um, Levi's. I'm going to start selling jeans to the miners. Screw that gold stuff. Let's sell jeans. Right. And boom, they're still here today. What do you think, in your opinion, are like a couple of the major industries or not even industries, new areas that might pop up? If you can think of any, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like what might show up that we don't, we have no idea that's gonna show up, like drones. We had no idea drones were gonna show up until we got smartphones with accelerometers and little compasses and all the little things that make a drone work because of cell phones and, and smartphones. What's gonna show up now for photographers? I, I wish I had a good answer to this. I think one of, you know, the clear one is there's going to be more creative directing. There's going to be more, yeah. it's going to be more ideas based. What can you come up with that will then be able to be, because the creation is becoming more and more simple. Just like, um, you know, just like no coding websites are becoming a thing. You mm -hmm. know, if you used to want to make a website, you had to know the code. And now once the code is gone, now it's just a bunch of designers that are that are creating beautiful things that allow you know people like us and using uh, software like Squarespace to just type their stuff in on the page. So, you know, I think it's really going to be again the 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 more top level type things because a lot of the actual creation of it is going to be much more simple. So. Obviously, the term prompt engineer is being tossed around a lot, which I mm -hmm. I think is going to be a creative art directors. I think that's going to be a more important one. Um, you know, I'm not really uh, I'm not really sure. I think it's going to be yeah. interesting to see people use maybe not on the image generation side, but for people to use like something like ChatGPT is so broad in what it can do, and it, it's only as good as the prompts you put in. Yeah. Which, again, for like, that's why Jarvis is more successful because they've kind of condensed, they've taken what ChatGPT and GPT-4 can do and they've turned it into specifically 
improving it for copywriting. So before you click, you know, write me a post about um, selling a pencil. Um, before you do that, you might get some super bland um, answer from ChatGPT, but from Jarvis, it might be um, more specific or focus more on because it's already pre-filtering a lot of that stuff. So yeah. I think that, you know, creating specific use cases under this bigger umbrella of what something can do, I think those people will have some success. But again, it's changing so quickly every day that for a lot of these things by the time you come out with something and you're like this is it that will probably again be swallowed up okay. so uh so it's just it's really it's really hard to say with how, how fast everything's moving yeah it's interesting because it's a it's a double-edged sword because a lot of the stuff we're talking about is you know not so much negative it's just like this could happen but this is the the negative side of the sword are the nefarious uses of this technology and you know people are always going to find the path of least resistance to do you know negative things but the other side of that blade is the positive side right so and i think of that positive side like in the case of chat gpt there's a i'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say there's a large contingent of the population even if you just look at the u.s right there's a large contingent of the population here that have really good ideas and they can't get them out because of some language barrier or grammar barrier or you know they, they didn't finish school so they don't know this that or whatever or didn't go to college you are blocked from entering a lot of spaces you can't even write a good resume at that point you know and if you do people are going to look at it and say oh i'm not hiring this person they can't even you know use the right contractions or whatever right but now chat gpt and technologies like it can step in and and not so much remove, but 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 lower that barrier of I just want to write a kick ass cover letter or I just want to write a kick ass letter to the CEO because I have an idea for a business. Old you would have been like, oh, I can't figure this out. Let me Google and get some examples and maybe copy and plagiarize or do whatever. Now you can just write a couple bullets about your idea and say, write it in the style of so and so. Boom. And you got your letter, which means a, a, a ton of ideas will will surface now, I think, because of this technology, whereas they'd be trapped behind literacy or whatever barriers that were there before. Those barriers lower. They're going to go away, but they lower to get help people get in the door, whether it be for script writing or whatever. You got an idea? You can get it out. You want to write a short story, a kid's book? You can now <laughs> write it and illustrate it, right? So... Yeah, there's I, I see the positive and the negative of this stuff. You know, one one side that I'm curious to 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 dive into dive in with you is um, the business and entrepreneurial stuff. I want to touch on that a little bit before. We, actually, before we talk about th that sort of business stuff, I want to take us back and close the loop on the AI piece of the conversation specific with regard to we talked about software and the things that are possible there with chat GPT where that might go mid journey and generative AI Adobe Photoshop generative AI and generative fill all that stuff so we know where that kind of might go um, but on the hardware side you know I want to talk a little bit about the the tools themselves um, and here's one reason why I wanted to bring this up thank you for reminding me the 
yesterday, as we record this, this is June 6th, 2023. On June 5th, 2023, Apple announced a day that will live in infamy, by the way. Uh, Apple announced their new Vision Pro headset. And one of the things, I want to know if you caught this. One of the things that I caught in there was they have this feature. There's actually a button on top of the headset to allow you to take photos and record video. And they said, you know, verbatim, this is the world's first consumer 3D camera, right? And knowing Apple and the Apple installed base, that me, what that said to me was whole new industry, you know, a whole new way for photographers to tell stories. Now you can tell a story and if a sizable amount of the population can view them with these headsets or like headsets, then there's all kinds of stuff that opens up to you, even like in, in boudoir, right? So you can have a scene and take a 3D photo of that. And when somebody views that scene, they could look around and see things or actually be in the room, you know, kind of. What do you think of that stuff? Like, is that, you know, the just the idea that Apple's moving in that direction. Apple's building a camera, dude. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, I think camera manufacturers might be a little afraid or maybe not. I know who knows what this trillion dollar company will set its sights on, but they could very easily set their sights on Nikon, Fuji, Canon, Lumix, yeah, all yeah, the guys yeah. and reinvent that space with a brand new slick Apple looking device with an ecosystem and all the things already built in. Are we going there? Is 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 that is that a possibility, Michael Sasser? I don't know. Well, I just want to imagine for a second somebody with these goggles on and like their clients <laughs> in their lingerie on the couch and just being like, yeah, just but the but no, I'm saying these goggles on. But if Apple, yeah, so that's, I mean, they're still ostensibly in beta with that headset, right? What if Apple decides, uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna but, make a we're gonna make a a, a proper camera. Yeah, but using to, but that to answer your question, um, essentially, like I, I was kind of thinking about this as you were talking about, you know, what makes that interesting? You know, the 3D space, mm -hmm. having LiDAR data associated with your photo, you know, what can you do with that LiDAR data? Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how we consume, you know, 3D has been around for a long time and most I would say most people don't prefer to experience you know, movies in 3D, you know, they had 3D mm -hmm. TVs for home, but probably a large part of that was the experience of like putting on those glasses and it was never as sharp and it, you know, it just wasn't, that experience wasn't as good, but maybe as these headsets get better and, um, you know, you're actually looking at 4K screens in your, in your eyes instead of uh, through, you know, some sort of a lens system onto a screen, we could see that happen. But I think it will be interesting to see what the extra data allows us to do. You know, I have no doubt that Apple's going to continue to do what they're doing and, and grow their cameras. Um, you know, the iPhone's already so good and computational photography is incredible. And mm -hmm. what you can do with an iPhone, I mean, I pretty much like don't walk around with a camera anymore if I'm on vacation. Um 80 to 90 percent of the time i'll just take my iphone and throw a preset on there and shoot portrait mode it's insane it's incredible yeah um it does like 90 percent of, of what i would want it to do so I've, i've no doubt that apple's gonna keep going that direction it is interesting though you kind of mentioned how will we view it 
uh, in these 3D spaces. Um, you know, it's just interesting. You won't really be able to put up the picture on a on a wall, 3D picture on a wall without, again, having to wear some kind of a glasses. I think that's one of the reasons why video, you can't hang up a video. It's only viewable on a screen on your phone. So mm-hmm. it just gets viewed much less than a photo would. Uh, so does I, it I really do think that's interesting. Does, Michael Sat does it though, right? Because the the print is is tied to a physical location, right? On Earth, where you got to put the print on the wall. It could look beautiful, be the best print in the world. But only people that can actually travel to that physical location can see it. Digitally, everybody can see it. Right. Everybody on the planet, you know, for not everybody, but a ton of people on the planet could see that photo. They have the proper gear, you know, whether it's a right. phone, a tablet, a computer or headset to see this this thing. So doesn't it make sense to lead with digital first and make the physical creation of atoms secondary because it's going to be a, a, an infinitely almost smaller market, although you could charge more. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Am I off base there? Because you make that a just good seems... point. You make a good point. I mean, as these headsets become more accessible and smaller and easier yeah. to move around, I mean, that's kind yeah. of the whole point. You just pull out your phone and show somebody the picture that you took. So, what if you could yeah. do that three D experience through some glasses that you already had on? Or they could see the photo on the on the phone itself. They don't have to have the glasses, right? Or on the computer, or on their Apple TV, or Google thing, or whatever. You could see it digitally at will versus I need to travel to Southern California to Michael Sasser's house to go into this specific room to see this beautiful print that he made. Right. So that. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think I I read in a magazine probably 10 years ago, this idea of like the future of what, what photography will be. And it, it described this experience of a kid's birthday party and the dad's got glasses on with the camera here and he opens up the door and everybody goes, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And it's taking pictures and it's recognizing when the eyes are open and as people are smiling and it's got a Wi-Fi chip in it that gets sent to a TV in the other room. So mm-hmm. it only shows smiling pictures with eyes open. So you walk into the you walk into the house and immediately you see your excited face up on the TV screen, and then that can compile um, all the pictures from that and then send it out to make a photo album and ship it to everybody's house who is there without you really even having to do anything. Um, So that was like something 10 years ago that I read in a magazine. So the ideas that people have of what's possible now are just, I mean, I I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It thinks I think about the the weaknesses of it because in this this came from uh, I'm in Northern California, like I mentioned, and and there's FedEx Um, (laughs) Northern California. And we use Comcast. You know, most of us use and I use Comcast business because I wanted higher reliability than than, you know, because I work from home. But I was thinking it went out a couple of months ago and how stranded I was. I couldn't. I'm a work from home guy who works on the internet, knowledge worker, as it were, completely, uh, no, almost, almost completely. I have my phone, so I could still kind of communicate. But I was thinking, what if I didn't have my phone? Like, what if my phone was out too, and my internet's out? I'm, I cannot generate income. I cannot do my job. And then I'm thinking, you know, not to go political, but I'm thinking. 
You know, what if what if the U.S. goes gets into a conflict with some country and that country decides to target our infrastructure or drop an EMP on us or something, right? And knock out everything. Now all the people that are driving electric cars are screwed. People that work on the internet are screwed. You know, it goes on and on. And people that want to see the photos that you created that are only existing in the ether, now those are gone too, right? So there is an argument for the physical, I think. Right? I, think because- I think physical physical wall prints are going to be the least of our issues if we get into a conflict <laughs> with EMPs and, and, and internet cutting out and that we can't communicate with anybody. Like, I think that's LA is dark. Oh, shit, my wedding pictures, right? <laughs> I mean, not that pictures aren't, you know, important to hold to hold close, but I think we're going to be trying to figure out how to get how to get food from the grocery store, or how to get oh. the supply chain of, yeah, of bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll have bigger fish to fry. You know, as we as we get to the end of this, and again, thank you for your time today, man. I appreciate you having this conversation with me. Um, but I want to I want to switch gears kind of away from AI and over to business because you were, and I think I said this in a previous interview with you. You're one of those photographers or photopreneur people that understand marketing, you understand the no like trust factor, you understand digital sales, you know how to create saleable content and all the things, right? That's a that's an alchemy level power that many people don't have. And I'm going to bring up your website here, this boudoircourses.com of which I have some courses from. Um thank you for sending those over. Uh but these the the courses that you have in here are done you know very well done to a high level of production and professionalism and i don't feel like i'm not getting what i need out of these courses i'm curious how is this going like how what does this world look like for you now you know versus the other things that you're involved in is this going strong are you are you going to pivot this are we going to start seeing ai courses up here what is what does this world look like <laughs> well, actually, it's really interesting. Kajabi now has I haven't I haven't tried it yet, but they do have the ability to like I, I don't know how it works, but it's like create a line for your course AI generated. So I think I think you could say I want to create a course on nutrition, or I want to create a course on I don't know whatever it is, and it'll generate an outline for what it thinks would be a good a good course for you to put together, uh, which I I thought was really interesting that they've implemented something like that but uh yeah but yeah it's going great um like i said kind of earlier in in the in our video the ability to create accessible content for a large number of people is great you know with boudoir photography you know what what's the goal of boudoir photography you're trying to empower somebody give them you know maybe new tools maybe you're trying to um help with their confidence you're trying to get them from point a to point b you're uh, somebody who's holding their hand from one place to the next place that they're going they need your help to be able to do that and that's not unlike what education is i mean basically what i'm doing uh with the courses are you know you're here you're wherever you're at now you're at point a and you want to get to point b and i'm just trying to hold your hand through that process i'm trying to uh get you to maybe skip a couple of the steps avoid a few of the failures and then what's really incredible about that is now i'm giving you the information and the power to go out there and then make a positive effect and impact um on on these people so in in some ways i've, I've heard before this idea like oh if you're 
um, <clears throat> if you're able to shoot and earn good money, like why, why would you teach? You know, you're kind of mm -hmm. assuming that that's only coming from the place of income, but to be able to, you know, if I can shoot 50 clients a year or I could help a hundred clients or I could help a hundred photographers who could also shoot 50 clients a year, that's like a massive, massive impact in the space. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I've been loving it. Um, I've been, uh, it's been a while since the last course that I came out with was the double your poses course, which, uh, which was just awesome to create because Posing is one of those very elusive things that everybody feels like they need more posing. Like if I could just have a few more poses, I would be confident. I've got my client in that I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So instead of making it just like a bite-sized section in a in a in another course, I ended up making three full photo shoots uh, of different body types in different size rooms, um, you know, in different scenarios, and and showed the behind the scenes of the of the shoot. And then I went through and called each of the photos and talked about why one photo worked and one photo didn't. And then I took all of the all of the photos that I did choose into editing and then you see me editing them start to finish. So I've really tried hard to just like, any question that you have, I wanna, I wanna make sure I've already answered it in the course and that comes from you know, taking time with people and, and hearing their feedback and asking a lot of questions before you get started in creating the course, you know. It doesn't help to just, I want to make a course and just pick something and, and start going. Like, figure it out. What, what do people need to learn? What do, what's going what's gonna to help them? What's exciting to learn? You know, those sort of things I think are really, really important to do. So it's been awesome. I've been, I've been really having a blast with it um 10 out of 10 would recommend yeah nice very cool and you're using as a platform you mentioned kajabi how has that been for you as a because that kajabi is an all-in-one platform for course sales and email marketing and and all the things right versus installing a wordpress or a squarespace and then getting mailchimp and doing all the things you kind of do it in one spot it's a little bit more pricey but if you add it up probably less expensive all in how's that been for you with the courses i like kajabi i started on i actually started having people just download the files through dropbox yeah um this was like in 2016 i think i came out with my first product and uh, they would just basically get a download link and I would, there was no login. There was, you know, they just purchased, uh, purchased on Squarespace. They'd get a download link. Uh, and that worked okay until I wanted to be able to update my products, uh, consistently. So somebody buys a product and I say, oh, you know, I got a message. Hey, I felt like I didn't get enough information on this. Great. I'll add to that. Um, there wasn't really a way for me to do that through that system. So I signed up with a software called um, Thinkific. Thinkific. Oh yeah, Thinkific, yeah. And that was great, um, but there were a few limitations to that software. And then uh, including, and, and it was also price prohibitive for the more users that you had. So I kept looking around. I used ClickFunnels for a little while for my sales uh, pages, and then that would send them to you know, Kajabi on the back end until I had too many problems with that. And then I settled on just Kajabi. And it's been great. I've been using Kajabi for about three years and 
it's easy to upload. It's easy to write descriptions. The downloads are really simple. The sales pages are pretty intuitive. It takes payments from PayPal and credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, which is really nice. So it's been, you know, it's been really nice. My advice, if, if anybody's listening to this and they're curious about starting something, you know, pick something. They all mostly do the same thing. There are a few subtle differences, but I wouldn't spend weeks and weeks you know, figuring out what software you're going to do. Those are sort of some of the smaller decisions that a, a bunch of people are on all of them teachable that are all successful and making money, you know, that won't make or break your business. But I've been, I've been really happy with Kajabi. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've been looking into it as well. It's look the, the whole different the interview discussion to kind of dive into that stuff. But yeah, one part of my journey was trying to even do the whole roll your own thing right with wordpress and then wordpress plugins for courseware in there and there's even wordpress plugins there's one called fluent crm for email marketing within your wordpress site so you're not limited by oh you can only have ten thousand contacts you could have a hundred thousand in there if you want and it's it plugs into amazon so it's using the same kind of back end that the bigger services are using only it's a WordPress plugin. Um, so those kind of things. But you're right. You know, having everything all under one username and password, it's kind of magical. <laughs> you know, not having to worry about this and that. And does this work with that? I got to plug this in with Zapier to do all this. And just <laughs> everything just sort of works. Yeah. So cool, man. So let's wrap this up with with the what's next. What's on the horizon for Sasser? Like, you know, we talked, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but What's next? Like when you hang up here, what are you doing? What do you, what do you want to get done before 2024 rolls around? Um, well, the, the, big, the big project that I have coming up that's mostly done, I'm sending it out to a few other photographers just to get a little feedback on it. And just speaking of entrepreneurship, one thing that's like really important to know is that whatever you put out first isn't going to be the last thing that you're ever going to put out. You can adapt it. You can update it. You can... Uh, come out with a version two. I've got the accelerator course 2.0. So I'm getting a little bit of feedback on this uh, 10 part business start, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. It was just going to be like a little 10 page thing. It turned out to be 50 pages Mm. and it covers everything from like, if you don't know the first thing about branding, it's got a little workbook section. So you could write down, you know, um, keep track of your, what fonts you choose. There are links to uh, websites I recommend for coming up with font pairings and color pairings and how do you come up with a language of how you talk about your brand and then it's got goes into like coming up with a business name and registering that business name and uh, how you do that it has sections on creating professional looking social media profiles so that when somebody goes they you know they'll be drawn they'll remember who you are yeah. uh, it's got things uh, on your website and on goal setting because honestly like people get overwhelmed and they get stuck, you know, like I have all these big ideas and they sit down to work on it and they work really hard on the first day. And then the second day, they're not sure what, what they're supposed to do next. They don't set a a deadline for themselves. And then, uh, you know, it's two months later and, and they're no closer. They're no closer to their goals. They're no closer to launching their business. They're no closer to, um, you know, generating revenue or making a difference in people's lives, whatever it is. So we talk about goal setting, uh, and how to hold yourself accountable in that as well. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Uh, so that'll be coming out. People can people can look for that. Um, is really the next big thing on the horizon. 
Uh, we'll see. I've got a couple of uh, YouTube videos that I think are going to be important for me to make. I've had a lot of people ask me questions about income and how I generate that. And, you know, they see my YouTube videos and they're not quite sure. You know, the idea of making money with photography is just like some people don't really understand how that's how that's possible, how you go about doing that. So yeah. I think that's going to be a YouTube video that's in my future. And uh, yeah, man, we'll 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 see what else the door is pretty open right now so uh it's it's exciting but it's also um terrifying it's also tricky yeah. so we'll see <laughs> no for sure yeah i definitely want to keep up with you um on all this stuff you know one one thing i wanted to throw in there was you mentioned this is a complete non sequitur by the way um but you mentioned um, how when you travel, you're just taking your iPhone with you for the most part, you know, if you're not doing any professional shoots, have you ever experimented with or considered using it for professional work, like doing a full boudoir shoot just with your phone? Is that possible? Are we there yet? So I actually did, uh, make a YouTube video when the iPhone 11 came out, I pre-ordered it. I went to go pick it up from the UPS store at 9am that morning and I shot you know, I had somebody come over and I did a whole behind the scenes video using the phone uh, to do it. And it was, I was I was wildly impressed with it. Um, however, for professional use, I mean, honestly, the biggest difference isn't even necessarily an image quality. Like it, it, it does matter, but the experience of taking pictures and composing quickly and the, the handle of shooting horizontal and vertical and, um, being able to flip through photos and uh, changing your settings quickly. All, all of those things, I think moving through the experience of a shoot are just there. I, I feel like I can just do it so much better. E even if you could click the picture quickly, the grip and, you know, I don't know, they're coming out. I think Hasselblad has a grip that like attaches MagSafe to your phone. But yeah. yeah, again, just the experience that like the camera's the camera and you don't want to accidentally bump a button that takes you into your text messages or your, you know, whatever. Um, I can't I can't really see it for professional use anytime soon in the in the framework that it exists in. Um, but, you know, more likely computational photography will start to make its way into professional cameras. Yeah. And um, you'll be able to put presets in the in the camera directly. Maybe they'll have LiDAR sensors uh, built into the cameras. Maybe, you know, built in HDR and, you know, all kinds of things I could imagine. But right now, just, just personally, the, the form factor, the experience of how quickly you can take pictures that the, you know, the, uh, the blurry section of the photo is not always reliably... You know, you can't rely on it the way you can a professional camera. So is it awesome? Is it amazing? Absolutely. Do I love using it? I love using it. It's just not as predictable and reliable as, um, you know, as the pro cameras right now. Yet. Yet. Right? Yeah. Yet. Yeah. My prediction, and we'll end with this, my, my prediction is, I don't know if it's a prediction or a, or a hope or, I don't know, a fear even, but if Apple with their trillion dollar, multi-trillion dollar market cap decides that uh, it's time for a disruption of the photography industry, right? And to do that, you'd need 
glass, you know, which I think is first, right? Um, so let's go buy somebody with glass, a Nikon or somebody like that, right? So you pick them up with their with their their library of lenses. So they have that. And the glass works for new lenses. Uh, and, you know, we really need to get into this AI field, but, you know, we're not really tooled up for that now. And we need to be we need to get into it from a creative standpoint. This is me paraphrasing what Apple might say. Um, but so they go find some pocket change and buy Adobe. Right. So now they have Adobe and then they use their infrastructure for App Store, for computational photography, for building amazing chips and all that. And they put together a reimagining of what a camera could be with that 3D stuff in there, all that. But it does, no longer looks like what we think is a camera. It looks more like probably one of these things with some other bells and whistles on it. And now they have a whole ecosystem for sharing with with photos and all the things. I see like that's a possibility, right? I, I feel like they could take the industry and this overnight make it amazing. I mean, it's already amazing, but they could slap some of their sauce on it and disrupt the whole thing. You, you feel like that's a fantasy? Um, I, again, you know, not knowing what's possible, but <laughs> essentially this like, guy's a hedge in his bets. He's like, I'm not going to say, but <laughs> Apple, you know, Apple's a computer company, right? So yeah, well, what is the iPhone, are they? But a computer yeah. in your pocket? What yeah. is the iPad, but a smaller computer? What is, um, you the know, camera? the Apple TV, but, uh, basically your, your computer screen, but now focused on entertainment. So I think that it'll be really interesting to see. And, and the new headset is a computer on your head. Yeah. So it's, I think it'll be really interesting to see, but a lot of companies have tried to disrupt industries that they weren't a part of with all of the money in the world. Google's tried to do it a bunch in a bunch of different areas. They try to do their social media, you know, Google Plus or Google, what, what was the Google one where you had like a profile and they had a feed and um, uh, hangouts? We don't, I mean, they, we, they tried hangouts. don't remember and, the name of it. No, but like I don't. Google had plenty of money to, you know, oust Facebook and it didn't yeah. work. And uh, I was listening to this podcast with the founder of Canva and she mm. was saying like Blockbuster Video didn't, you know, Netflix came through, Facebook came through and knocked off um the previous uh the previous company of myspace and so to just friendster you know, yeah uh, it's very difficult for a company who used to do one thing jump into a completely different thing just strictly on how do people see that company as like are they going to keep apple could make shoes sure but yeah. Would people choose their shoe brand? Like I wear Apple shoes versus Adidas or Nike or something like that. So that's where I, I think it might be really interesting. Do I doubt that they have the ability to come out with a quality product? Not at, not at all. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. where I think it's gonna be interesting as far as the consumer experience, if people are gonna wanna have, you know, believe in the Apple camera ecosystem. Right, right. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, uh, the portable music player space was a mess before Apple jumped into it with iPod, right? So, and now look at a good look, example of them disrupting yeah. an industry that they were originally, you know, a tech computer company took over the music industry. That's a perfect example. Yeah. 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 And it will never be the same, you know, and 
you know, I feel like we're seeing pangs of that again in other spaces. So who knows? You know, it's a different time. It's a different, it, the, the market's different. I would love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as a content creator, absolutely. A, new toys to play with. B, new things to teach people about, right? <laughs> so what's not to love? So. Absolutely. I love it. Michael Sasser, man, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you for taking time to do this. Um, we we talked about your, your website a little. Let me bring it up again. Boudoir Courses is where the courses are. Uh, if people want to connect with you personally or professionally or hire you or, or any of that stuff, what's the best place for them to point their browsers to? Yeah, so uh, the best places are if you're just looking for you know free how-to how for boudoir, that's uh, on my YouTube channel. You can just type in my name, Michael Sasser. Uh, for Instagram, uh, my photography company, Sasser Stills Boudoir. That's if you want to check out my uh, you know my personal photography business. And then of course, uh, boudoircourses.com is for anything to kind of help you level up you know, start your business, improve your next level posing, things like that. Those are those are probably the best ways to come hang out. Yeah, I love it. Let me know when that business course launches and I'll, you know, it will. You can let me know before it launches. I'm happy to help you proofread it and do all the things, you know. So uh, but let me know when let me know when you launch it and I'll uh, I'll get the word out, help get the word out about it. I think it's it's a much needed resource for photographers looking to get in to business to understand everything beyond f-stops, shutter speeds, posing, ISO, all that stuff, all the underneath the waterline for the iceberg things, right? So very cool, very cool. Absolutely. All right, my friend, we'll leave it right there. Michael Sasser, thank you so much, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate it. This is Twitter.